0: This is Stories of Strength by MuscleTech. Personal and inspirational tales that redefine strength.
1: Welcome to Stories of Strength, a podcast where we share personal and inspirational tales that redefine strength. I'm your host, Jay Cardiello, and this week we are talking to the amazing Jessica Cox. She was born without arms due to a rare birth defect but that hasn't stopped her from becoming the world's first licensed armless pilot and a black belt in taekwondo. She is an author, motivational speaker, and I'm so excited to have her on the show. Jessica, thank you so much for being on the show. It's an honor to have you. Thank you. Glad to be on. Before we jump into all the questions that I have and really fill this podcast up with a lot of inspirational talk, because you're such an inspirational person. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about who you are?
0: Wow. I don't even know where to start because my life has been so blessed. I guess it'd probably be best to start at the beginning. Initially, most people probably would think that I had a pretty hard life at the beginning. And and it was hard for my parents because my mom didn't expect that I was going to be born without arms. And out I came, and they were devastated. They didn't know what kind of life was in store for someone with this kind of disability. Would I be able to do anything without arms? How could I live a normal life? And they had so many questions with no answers. And now, you know, of course I'm in my adulthood and my life has been so blessed, so filled with so many opportunities and now shows the world what is possible that we can do anything if we set our mind to it.
1: It's amazing. You have brought so much, you know, we're going to talk about your documentary, Right Footed, and we're going to talk about your TED Talk. But one of the big things that really hit me was a quote that you said, you said, disability does not mean inability. What did you mean by that when you were saying that to the audience?
0: I think that we live in a world where someone sees someone with a disability and immediately is drawn in to think, oh, this person cannot do something or they're unable to do, they're unable of accomplishing a normal life. And a lot of times we put those limitations on others, despite giving them an opportunity to show what their abilities are, because surprisingly we can accomplish great things. We might do things in a different way, but that doesn't mean it can't be accomplished.
1: So true. So true. So I want to step back to your grammar school days growing up and you first were introduced to the prosthetic arms and And you put them on, you're like, this is not me. And then it was an eighth grade, you decide, this is not me. You You didn't get on the bus with them that day. How was that transition to say, this is me, the real Jessica?
0: Well, I know that when people see me, they immediately look to the fact that I have empty sleeves and they think, okay, she doesn't have arms. Let's give her the opportunity of prosthetics because they've come a long ways with prosthetics. They've been able to help many of the veterans who've lost limbs, people who've lost limbs due to trauma. And it's amazing how far they've been, uh, they've come. But when they see me, they think, okay, she needs them. And that's what was the immediate thought when I was a child. So I went through 11 years of wearing these prosthetic arms, learning how to use them, learning how to write with them, how to eat with them, and function as, as close to real arms and hands as I could. But it was really hard to do that. And I learned to use my feet at a very early age. And I was just as efficient, actually more efficient, faster, better with my toes and feet. And that may not be the natural tendency, but for me, that's how I was born. And that's how I think God made me. So even after 11 years of trial and error, trying to figure out how to use plaster arms, I decided to give them up at the age of 14. And walking to the bus stop, I said, I don't want to wear them anymore. And it was the best decision of my life because I finally embraced who I am. And I was able to, with confidence, say, you know, the whole world may not always be accepting of my difference. They may always want to uh, fix me, but this is who I am and I need to be proud of who I am. And regardless of how people respond to me, I need to keep a smile on my face and be proud of my difference.
1: That's amazing. And I remember in your TED Talk, you had mentioned your mother saying, pity prevents progress. And that that's such a poignant statement because it is, it's, I always say, we think about the, are I going to choose the victor or the victim? And you've definitely chose the victor title. And expanding upon that, who was your greatest? Was it your mom? Was it, was it a mentor? Who was your greatest inspiration growing up?
0: I know for a fact, my mom had a huge impact on my life and my father did as well. So I feel very blessed to have been given such wonderful parents. My dad has said on a number of occasions, I never once shed a tear about your birth condition. I never saw you as a victim. So he never saw me that way. And I didn't have that option to see myself as a victim. And my mom would tell me, you know, you can do anything. Whatever you want to accomplish, you'll be surprised. With God, anything's possible. And she just really gave me that example in her own life as well as a role model. So they made this tremendous impact on my life to show me that I could do anything and to create a foundation of being the victor, like you said.
1: And it's interesting because my father was my biggest mentor and he had told me a story and it's he we were watching TV one night and it was a Sunday night. We were watching football and we had one of those TVs where you got to bang the uh, side to get a picture. This is in the 70s. And we were watching a game and he said, who's the best player you see on the TV? And I said, quarterback no and i mentioned all the positions and after mentioning all the positions he kept on saying no i know i was like all right dad who is it he goes it's some guy in the stance who through his own mental block his own giving up on himself chose to be the victim and now wears somebody else's name on his jersey and then he followed it by saying never give yourself the opportunity to ask what if and i was only 12 years old at the time jessica so i really don't understand it growing up i started to embrace it and i'm like never give myself the opportunity to ask what if and then. That's why I feel like your whole life is you never give yourself the opportunity to ask what if. And transitioning to that, you became fourth degree black belt. You became a pilot. When was it that you said, I'm going to start going into Taekwondo? I'm going to start making a difference in my life and I'm going to start being that victor. When was it that you started to embrace Taekwondo?
0: I think for me, when I was even as young as like two or three, I learned how to be a fighter and how to really prove people wrong and to be fearless. Courage is something that I had to have from the beginning and it followed me through life and it became one of my greatest assets to have the courage to go out there and and take chances, to take risks and not hesitate because I had to step outside of my comfort zones, my comfort zone many times in my situation. When I started Taekwondo, I was 10. Wow. And I remember going into the school and my instructor, he said, you know what? you can be a part of this Taekwondo school under one condition. You can't have a bad attitude. Mm. And I didn't have a bad attitude. And then I just, I learned how to be confident through the martial art and how to lift my eye level up and become aware of my surroundings. Cause that's a huge part of self-defense because I would always look down. I'd be self-conscious and look down at my feet. So I wouldn't trip and fall. Because if I fell, it would be like a face plant on the floor instead of uh, being able to catch myself because I didn't have the arms to catch myself. So I was always looking down, but then I learned how to really look up and look out and improve my confidence level being in Taekwondo all those years since I was 10 years old.
1: Now, flying gives you a feeling of very big independence In Taekwondo, you know, I was a martial artist myself. It gives a very big feeling of independence. When did you garnish independence and say, you want to know something? this is who I am. This is what I'm about to be. And I'm going to take that next flight into becoming a pilot.
0: Well, you know, I was at the end of my college, my four years in college, I was graduating and I was ready for my next challenge in life. And I thought, what better way to show the world that they shouldn't let fear stand in the way of an opportunity Mm. than to do it by becoming the first armless pilot. I speak all over the world. And when I speak and share my story as a motivational speaker, I tell people to be courageous. I tell people to overcome their fear, but I had to be able to live it out as well. And that's why flying became this tremendous opportunity to do that, to show the world that, yes, I'm terrified of losing contact with the ground, but I'm going to conquer this fear by becoming a pilot, by overcoming it, by learning more about it. And so I could do something that was emotionally scary for me. And that's what I think aviation has done for me. And it was that moment when I flew an airplane by myself for the first time, when I really, really was accountable for my own, my own self being independent, being saying that, you know, I have life between my own feet, being up here in the skies alone. So it reminded me that I am pilot in command of my own life and I could be able to do things on my own. So it really reinforced that flying gave me that sense of confidence.
1: Now, 2008, that was your first solo flight?
0: It was. I was the first time I was flying that plane by myself. Yes.
1: Take us through that day. I mean, what was it like? Was it, was your heart pounding? What what was it like your first time getting in there all by yourself?
0: Leading up to that solo flight day, because I knew it was going to be around that time Because my instructor had given me the proper instruction, he felt my competency as a pilot, I was safe. He was assured that I could handle the airplane on my own. And we we all knew that that day was, we were approaching that day. So leading up to it, I was very much in touch with my faith, praying about a safe flight. Mm. I was very much in touch with my skills and my awareness of my own comfort level, whether I felt confident that I could handle that plane in the sky by myself whether I felt my skills were sufficient and all of those had to come together on that morning of my solo flight when my instructor said, now you fly the airplane on your own. And there is nothing quite like that independence and that moment when my heart was beating and I'm like, oh my goodness, I really am going to do this. (laughs) And my focus was so incredible that I didn't even realize I was flying the plane alone. Because I was so focused on what I was doing until I first turned, uh, I turned my first crosswind turn and I recognized that I'm doing this by myself. It's really me up here with the airplane.
1: Wow. Now that documentary right for it. if you get an opportunity, guys, you you have to watch it. It is amazing. It's inspirational. You're going to need a box of Kleenex. I cried during it. I watched it. What was the hardest thing in your first solo flight? What was the hardest thing? I I watched you getting in the seat, putting on the seatbelt and that was amazing what do you feel was the hardest thing for you to do without having an instructor next to you?
0: One of the hardest things about flying is obviously landing the airplane. Mm. As far as what was the most physically demanding task for me is you can take off. I think anyone can pretty much take off in an airplane and they can fly it around the sky. But when it comes to landing, everything is critical and that is a very critical moment of everything has to be in order. You have to have a, the right combination of looking out, panning for the safety and where you want to be when you land that plane at what altitude. The airspeed is critical. All these factors come into play and there's just so much going on when you're landing that plane that that was, I would say, the most physically demanding thing is that final uh, landing when I'm flying
1: solo. Now, what is up next for you in terms of flying? Are you flying across the country, flying around the world? What's up next for Jessica?
0: I am going to be doing um, this incredible flight across the country, and we're going to take off out of Tucson, Arizona, fly through the southern states and then through the Midwest and stop at a little camp in a small town in DeCoin, Illinois, where there will be children who are born. Without limbs or who've lost their limbs, and they have a summer camp going on there called NubAbility, and the plan is to inspire them with this airplane to let them know that anything is possible, and that they shouldn't let anything hold them back, and no one should tell them what they can or can't do because the sky is not the limit, (laughs) and uh, to show them that, and then move on from there, fly off to the Aircoop Nationals, which is the airplane I fly. It's called an Aircoop, and land at Aircoop Nationals and do the. The convention and then fly off to the largest air show in the world, which is called Air Venture. And that is going to be so much fun.
1: Now, when is this taking place? When are you flying out? We fly out in about two weeks. Oh my goodness. Are you excited?
0: Yes. So we're f- making sure everything's in order, kind of checking all the boxes in preparation for this long flight. Just to give everyone a perspective, it cruises at about 90 miles per hour, so we're not talking about a fast airplane. We're talking about a pretty slow airplane to go from little airport to little airport, little puddle jumper flights. That's why it's going to take so long to finally get to Wisconsin, where we will then turn around and make our way back home.
1: Will you have a team with you who will be joining you on the flight?
0: I will have a team. So it'll be my husband, Patrick, who's a pilot, and a friend named Lindsay, who's a pilot, and we all alternate. I'm not going to do too much of the ferrying, meaning I'm flying it from point A to point B, but I will be doing most of the flying once the airplane is at location, like at the camp for the kids who are born um, without limbs or who've lost limbs. Once it's at the airport where the camp is, I'll be able to do some flying there. So it'll be a a matter of of rotating who's going to be driving the chase vehicle and who will be flying the plane.
1: That is great. Now, in the documentary, Right Footed, you taught a girl to swim, and that's where I broke down. You taught a girl to swim. Did you have that from your, your mother or your father, that kind of mentorship growing up where we're saying, get in the water, go to taekwondo, get in the plane? Did you have that mentorship?
0: I did have mentorship when I was a teenager, not as young as the little girl in the documentary, Right Footed. The little girl, her name's Grace and she was born without arms. And I went to meet her for the first time and she was probably four years old Mm. and she was going to preschool and she was terrified of swimming. So I wanted her to get over her fear of swimming. So I went to a swimming pool and we did a couple laps around the pool, but she initially didn't even want to put her feet in the water. But eventually she started to love the water after being there for a good hour with me. So yes, I had the blessing of a mentor when I was a teenager. I was about see, 16 or 17 when I first met my mentor, who was a woman who lost her arms at a very young age. And for the first time, I felt like I wasn't alone and that that here's someone who lives life like I do, who has chosen not to use prosthetic arms and uses their feet. And it was this moment of, wow, here's someone who finally understands I'm not alone. She can do all this. She has two sons. She was married. She took care of things around the house. She was so independent. And I believe that, oh, I can do this all myself as well. So it's a life-changing moment when you have a mentor like that who shows you what is possible and makes you believe that anything is possible. And now I do the same for so many children like Grace my nonprofit called Right Footed Foundation International, giving back to them by being their mentor and showing them what is possible.
1: It's very interesting, the time that you spent with Grace and teaching her to to swim. It was just, it was something that really embraced us because what I mean by us, I watched it with my fiance and we were just so in awe of you and the way the patience and the time that you actually took with Grace and starting to teach her to swim and getting her into the water. You're in the pool with Grace. You're teaching her to swim. You had that mentorship when when you were young. Now you're impacting the world by talking to other children. What are you finding that so much breakthrough is happening when you're talking with these children? Is it the fact that they're seeing someone say, they're just like me and creating rapport? Is is it the sense that you're creating rapport with your verbiage? How are you impacting and making people or children change their mental state?
0: One of the things that, being so visually different does to someone is it creates a feeling of, oh, you know, lack of confidence or, and fear of how people are going to react to me because we've always dealt with stares. We've always dealt with people um, making fun of us or saying things that are hurtful. And so as a result, there's a little hesitation to go out into public and be our full self, meaning Mm -hmm. use our feet as our hands eating in a restaurant without worrying about what other people think. And so one of the things I for sure do for these children who are born without limbs is I take them out to a public place and I interact with them and the people around me in a very confident manner, because I know that that's life changing for them to be able to see that. Wow. Here's Jessica. She, she was born without arms. She uses her feet to eat. And yet she's not ashamed of eating in public. She's not afraid of the people who are going to stare at her or ask her questions or maybe not be comfortable with it. But she's just being her confident self. She's being the best version of herself. And that's what I want these young children to be able to understand is that it may be hard to be confident because of our differences, but we can do it. And we can be a leader, we can stand up and be happy in our own bodies and the way we do things in a way that will make people comfortable around us. And even if the world is not always going to be accepting, even if the world is not always going to be comfortable, it's our job to be our best version of ourselves and sure, and we can get through it.
1: So what is your greatest fear? If I, I saw you jump out of a plane, uh, you fly a plane, you're Taekwondo, fourth degree black belt, what is your biggest fear? Do you even have one?
0: I still have fears because I'm very human like everyone else. Mm-hmm. There are still th- some things that I have to work through on a regular basis. And you know, we're n- none of us is perfect. I, I'm thinking about how to answer that because there are a few I'm thinking right now. I did at one point still have a little bit of it, still the fear of being in the, in the sky. So I still am a little anxious when I'm flying, but there's nothing wrong with that. It keeps me on my toes. At least I don't get too relaxed. So I still have a little bit of fear associated with flying. I have a fear of needles. And so, so I mean, I, I mean, I'm human and I'm not perfect. So I still have to work through some things every day.
1: One day I am going to get on the plane with you. I, I was just such an awe watching this documentary. So where do you grow your strength from?
0: My strength has been a combination of uh, many things that I've been blessed with in my life. My faith, number one, has been such a backbone to my success in the fact that I'm willing to go out there and do things that take some courage. Knowing that I'm not alone and someone's there beside me. And my faith in God has helped me through those difficult moments when maybe no one understood me. And maybe I felt like no one could say anything to make me feel better because I was hitting rock bottom. But that's been a huge part of my life. A huge part of my life has been having wonderful family. I have a wonderful husband who supports me and he is always there for me if I'm having a rough time. He's there to make me feel better. So we help each other during our difficult days. And wonderful parents. Of course, I shared with you a little bit about that before. I have great siblings, a brother and a sister. I just have so many people that come into my life to help lift me up. As a result, now I can lift others up. And that's what I think we're all here to do. We're all here to help each other out.
1: So, what's the legacy you want to leave?
0: Well, I think about my legacy. And I mean, while I'm a little too young to think about that, obviously, we all want to leave a legacy. And I think it's just doing the best with what I was given with what I was blessed with and helping others as best we could bringing a light to places that are dark and speaking and inspiring people because I feel like that's a gift I've been given is to inspire people to bring hope and to remind them what is possible and that they can do things and they shouldn't give up. They should keep pushing forward.
1: It's interesting you mentioned that we should always push forward and, and the inspiration that you're giving to people is, is astonishing. And I was, I was thinking, I was like, how am I going to make it through this podcast without crying? I'm already starting to tear up because it was just, it's, it's just your ability to say, I have this, I am who I am, and I'm going to make a difference in not only in my life, but the lives of others. And that's one thing that I, I think that your legacy is leaving is that you're giving the people to understand that a disability is not a disability. We all have disabilities. But unless you look at it and say, I have this, I'm going to live with this, I'm going to be the victim, you're giving up and you're giving yourself the opportunity then to say, what if? What you've done over your entire career, you've put forth, I don't want to put into words, you've just been such an inspiration to say, I can overcome and I can do anything that I set my mind to. And when you took that first solo flight in 2008, and you went up there, so many people are probably saying, she's never going to do this. She's never going to do this. And you are doing it. And that's one thing. You're making such an impact in so many people's lives. You made an impact in my life just from watching Right Footed. What is next for you? Besides a big flight across the country, what is next for you? Is it more motivational speaking? Is it—is it more impacting kids at camps? What is next for Jessica?
0: It will always be a combination of what comes available, what opportunities become available to me. I think that Aviation is something I continue to. I will continue to do to inspire more people. I will continue to work with children born without limbs because that's my passion. And I love to do that. I love reaching out to kids. I think I'll continue to speak in places around the world. I've spoken in 27 countries. So I will continue to add to that list to make sure that the message that disability doesn't mean inability and that we can accomplish great things. And I'll continue to share my message on social media so people can continue to follow me there and keep up with me on the new things that, that I get to be a part of.
1: Speaking of social media, where can people follow your journey? Where can they locate you? Where can they DM you on social media? Where, where can we find you at?
0: Well, my Facebook is JCMS Official. And you can find me on LinkedIn as well. You just search Jessica Cox on there. And my website is jessicacox.com.
1: And on Instagram?
0: Instagram is right-footed.
1: Right-footed? Yes. Jessica, I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on this show. And I just want to say thank you, truly thank you for not only being inspiration to so many of our listeners, but an inspiration to me. And you truly are victorious and you really have shown me what, I can do better and how I can better myself and overcome all the things that I think are my disabilities to become not only a better person to me, but my family and those around me. So I want to say thank you and I applaud you.
0: Thank you, Jay, too. I really appreciate the opportunity and I hope all the listeners are able to be inspired to to accomplish their own impossibles in life. So thank you so much.
1: And if you guys, if you get an opportunity, please, I I, I beg you, watch the documentary, Right Footed, grab a box of Kleenex. And when you see her teaching Grace how to swim, you, like me, are going to tear up. So, Jessica, thank you so much for being such an inspiration.
0: Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks.
1: That's going to do it for today's episodes of Stories of Strength. A big thank you to Jessica Cox for coming on and sharing her amazing story. I want to also thank all of you for listening to us. If you like today's episode, be sure to follow, leave a review, and listen for new episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Jay Cardiello, and this has been Stories of Strength, personal and inspirational tales that redefine strength, presented by MuscleTech.